Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that you're here today. I look around and see who all's here. Um, I just know that uh, God has a great uh, word for us today. Uh, it's a great passage, and it's meant to be an encouragement to each one of us, no matter what we're going through. And, um, you know, we all come here collectively at different places in life, and uh, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but God does. He knows exactly what is on your mind and where you're at and what's happening. And, um, you know, I, I really uh, am encouraged by our, our text today. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, if you have your scripture and want to open up to that. And, um, you know, the, the most important question um, that you ever need to answer is, do I belong to Christ? Do I belong to Christ? And if you belong to Christ, then all of God's promises, all of his promises are yes for you in him. I mean, if you belong to Christ, then you're reconciled to Christ. If you're reconciled to God, then, then your sins are all forgiven and you can enjoy fellowship with him every day. And you know that if you were to die today, that you would be with the Lord in glory in heaven forever. I mean, what a great promise. What a great promise. So the question, do you belong to Christ? You know, and you may say something like this. You may say, well, yeah, um, I invited Jesus into my heart in vacation Bible school when I was just a kid. And, and you know, I'm glad to hear that you did that. But do you belong to Christ? You know, you say, well, yeah, I, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was in college. Someone, a witness shared with me and I, I received Christ and, 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 and that's great. And I, I just asked the question, do you belong to Christ? Because you need to make sure that you belong to Christ based on what the Bible says. It's not about walking down an aisle. It's not about a feeling that you had. It's not about uh, how much you go to church or this or that or anything else. Do you know Christ? Do you belong to him? See, one of Paul's main reasons for writing Romans, uh, at least chapter eight, was to give assurance, to give assurance so that we could know that we belong to Jesus Christ for time, for right now, but also for for all of eternity. And I think that's an important point. Um, I want to I pray, and then we're going to read our, our passage, but let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for this time, and we recognize the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for each one of us. And Father, you have been so faithful to us in that. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that even now that you would quicken our hearts, that you would open our minds, that you would uh, bring to life your word that you gave to these who wrote them down so long ago. But, but Holy Spirit, you are the one that, that brings life. And you are the one who, who draws us to, to yourself. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us even now uh, through your word. And guide us as we, as we walk through this scripture. And Father, I pray that you would just be glorified in all of it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know, it's interesting because Paul in Romans 7, he was talking about um, 
you know, the things that he wants to do, he doesn't do. And the things that he doesn't want to do, that's what he does. And, and he, he asked the question in verse 24. He says, you know, wretched man that I am. He said, who will set me free from the body of this death? And, and he answers that in this passage, in, in, in Romans 8, 9 through 11. And so I want to read that. It says, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Verse, verse 9. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin... Yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I mean, right here we have the full and final answer to that question. Who will set me free from the body of this death? You know, it, it's, it's crazy because the basis of our deliverance, of our being set free, is clearly the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's what he says. It's this body, it, it's the Holy Spirit that, that delivers our body. And you think about that song, Amazing Love. I love the lyrics to that song because it says, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. See, to me, this passage is the most explicit definition of what a Christian really is. Here we are with the spirit of life in us. As believers in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God lives within us. I should get an amen. amen, not because of me, but because the spirit of God lives within us. Amen. I mean, that's huge. We are here, the Holy Spirit, the, the living spirit of God, the spirit of Christ taking up residence, giving us a new outlook because we've been recreated. We've been born again. We've been born again. We've been made new. And so you need to understand that the Holy Spirit dwells in the believer. He's the one who brings about the new birth. You're going to have to focus in here. I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. Okay. So I'm going to talk fast and you listen fast. Okay. But this is so important. This is so important. The Holy Spirit removes us from being controlled by the flesh because our flesh wants to do things. Our flesh is, is fleshly. It's earthly. It's that lower nature. It's the one who, 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 who dwells and lives in sin. And the Holy Spirit dwells within us, putting the spirit of Christ within us. And so there's so much in these two verses, these three verses, excuse me, that, 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 that space and time does not allow to cover it all. But a Christian is being a Christian is not a matter of going to church. It's not a matter of believing in some doctrines of the Christian faith or even trying to live by certain moral standards. 
You could say you're a Christian. People can say they're a Christian and they say that all the time. It does not mean that they are born again. Just because I say I'm a car does not make me a BMW. Any more than someone who is not bearing the spirit of Christ and the fruit of Christ's spirit is a Christian. But you think about this. Of course, true Christians do those things. They're, they're, they're vital. But it's the Holy Spirit has caused us, has caused you to be reborn. That is what makes you a Christian. The Holy Spirit has caused a new birth in you. I love this because Jesus said it very plainly to Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, he told Nicodemus, you know, a Pharisee, someone who was really high in, 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 in the Jewish religion in Jerusalem. He was, he was a ruler, if you will, of the Jews. Talk about going to church, man. This guy, he went to the temple every time. He went to the temple several times a day to pray. He didn't miss one service to go fishing. Man, talk about believing in certain doctrines. I mean, he had large portions of the Hebrew scriptures memorized. Talk about morality. This man was scrupulous in keeping the New Testament, excuse me, the, the Ten Commandments. But you know, Jesus' opening words to him, you know what they were? Truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He went on to say, do not be amazed that I say that you must be born again. So when we are born again, the Holy Spirit imparts new life to us and takes up residence in us. We don't understand this. How can this be? If we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and takes residence within us. It is a matter of spiritual life and death to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you or not. I mean, this means that every believer has the Holy Spirit inside. I mean, it's inaccurate to divide Christians among the, the spirit-filled and the non-spirit-filled. If you have Jesus in your heart, if you have been born again, then you are a spirit-filled Christian. Amen. See, if the person is not filled with the Holy Spirit, they're not a Christian at all. I mean, verse 9 tells us, if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, focus in on that. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And that word does not means absolutely not. And it's used in both of those phrases. If he does not have the spirit and does, he does not belong to him. And the word there does not means not in any shape or form. Not in any way, shape, or form. If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, then you do not belong to Him. Mm. Do not belong, does not belong to Him, literally means He's absolutely not His. Since only the Holy Spirit gives spiritual life, a person cannot be related to Christ apart from His Spirit. 
That's pretty profound. Because we want to keep those separate. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And somehow we think that we can accept Christ, but not accept his spirit. It doesn't work that way. Some people believe that you can be saved and not receive the Holy Spirit until later on in the Christian life. But the meaning here is quite clear. No spirit of Christ equals not born again. If he doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. See, when you receive Christ, you receive all of God you will ever get. And you received one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You do not receive the spirit of God later. So, so I'm, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, be discerning when you hear someone who, who says you need to go to this meeting, this revival or whatever, so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. See, the power of the spirit is seen in the word dwells in this passage. The word lives, the word dwells, and it's a picture of a home. In Greek, it's oikos. But it's a picture of a home. The, the Holy Spirit lives. <laughs> I love this because he takes up residence. He takes up residence. He makes his home with us. He, he lives in the believer just like we live in our homes. <laughs> you know, sometimes there's, there's um, people come to visit. And sometimes people come to visit and, you know, maybe they've stayed a little longer than you thought they should. And, you know, you're kind of kind of hoping they find the door, you know. But the deal is, is he takes up residence. He's not a visitor. He lives there. He lives there. It's his home. We are we, we become the, the temple of God. We, we become the, the place where the Holy Spirit dwells where he lives. And I think that's huge because it's also in the present tense, which means that it's, he is dwelling. He's continually dwelling. He's not an occasional visitor, but he takes up residence inside of the believer. I mean, what an awesome truth that as believers in Jesus Christ, as, as God's children, we have the spirit of the living God and that he would make his home in every sinner that has been redeemed by Jesus. I mean, the power of the Spirit. You think, here's the problem. We don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is what brings dead things to life. That power lives inside of you. But yet we walk around like we're a dead body. The power of the spirit creates the glorious truth of the indwelling presence of God within each one of us. But you know what? We are also in Christ. Seated next to the father, sealed with the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. So we are in him and he is in us. This is big. He identifies us as being in Christ. We're controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in us. We live, we have the Spirit of Christ, and Christ is in us. I mean, John, John 14, Jesus said this, verse 16 and 17. He said, I will ask the Father, 
And he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. And that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does, it cannot see him and know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I mean, Paul writes and he says, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you? Notice how the deity of Christ is being proclaimed. The spirit of Christ lives in us and he's he transforms us. We've been transformed. As believers in Jesus Christ, when we believe in him, when we accept Christ, he comes in and he abides within us and he begins and he transforms our lives. I praise God I'm not the same man I used to be. We've been transformed, and I want you to understand something. That's not going to happen again to our inner man, our inner person. Our inner man is ready for heaven right now. We've been born again. We've been born of the Spirit of God. And so we have this life within us. We're ready for heaven right now. Our inner man is ready to go now. It's just that it's incarcerated. It's held captive by this fallen flesh this temporary tent but the spirit of God is in here see I can't help but think that the church would be very different if everyone would live daily by the reality of this truth I am not my own I now belong to Christ My tongue is not my own to spew ugly and hateful words when I'm hurt or upset. I must use it to glorify God. My eyes are not my own to look lustfully at women. I must use my eyes to glorify Christ. My money is not mine to use as I as I please, but I must use it to glorify Christ. My time is not my own to squander on social media or in frivolous pursuits, but I must use it to serve and glorify Christ. Folks, this is a life transformation principle. We're still living in the flesh. We're not allowing the spirit of God to transform our lives. You see, the mark of being a Christian is the spirit dwells in you and now you belong to Jesus Christ. See, it's the power. It's the power of the spirit that removes us from being controlled by the flesh and it places us within himself and within the spirit of God. We're no longer positioned in the flesh, not in God's eyes, not in God's accounting. When he looks at you, when he looks at me, we are no longer at home with and in the things of the flesh, but we are positioned in the spirit of God. God sees and counts us as being placed and positioned in his spirit. And so we live in the Holy Spirit and then we are comfortable. We are at home in the Holy Spirit and the things of the Holy Spirit of God. See, whatever spirit lives inside us before Christ is the spirit that we belong to. Think about with with me for just a moment. If we have the spirit of selfishness within, then we belong to the spirit of selfishness and we are known as being a selfish person. That's what people call us. 
They might say, well, he's selfish. If we have the spirit of complaining and we belong to the spirit of complaining, then we are also known as a complainer. If we have a spirit of evil, we belong to a spirit of evil and we are known as being evil. If we have a spirit of caring and we belong to the spirit of caring and we are known as a, as a caring person. Folks, if we have the spirit of Christ, we belong to Christ and we are known as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I mean, we can be spirited people, you know, driven by the spirit that's within us. And the Holy Spirit has the power to lead us to live as Christ lived. And, you know, we can look at someone else's spirit, if you will, and, and tell if they have the spirit of Christ. Because if they do, they will bear the fruit of Christ's spirit. The spirit and his fruit are seen in our lives as believers. Doesn't take long to be around somebody and you can identify with their spirit or not identify with their spirit. You can see the fruit in their life or you don't see fruit in their life. It just depends on whether or not they belong to Christ. See, the Holy Spirit, I'm getting to the good part. The Holy Spirit gives life to the spirit of the believer. And the idea here in the Greek is that our body does die. This body does die. But our spirit can live forever if Christ is in us. See, he gives life right now. The very moment we believe, he comes in and he, he takes up residence in the believer and he transforms us from death to life. We move away from death and toward life. Our body is to die. This flesh and blood, it's made and it's going to die because of sin. And the body's corruptible. It's aging. It's deteriorating. It's decaying. Really, it's dying. See, it is in the process of dying. It is in the process of dying, and it's in such a rapid movement toward death that it could be said that we are dead because it happens so fast. And because the body is dying, death is inevitable. The probability death rate among humans is 100%. We're all going to die. But you see, it's in this mid-death that the Spirit of Christ enters. We're already dying. And it's in that that He enters. And He turns death into life. And we begin a new trajectory. I love this because he comes in and he transforms our spirit from death to life because he lives within us. You say, well, how does that happen? Our spirit lives because of the righteousness and the death of Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 
says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. See, he comes in and he, he, he begins to transform our life. And our spirit lives by living righteously and godly lives. You know, in, in Matthew 7, Jesus said, not, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. You know, Romans six seventeen and 18, Paul writes this. He says, but thanks be to God that he, that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to to that form of teaching to which you were committed and having been freed from sin, having been released from the sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And that's why in verse in chapter eight, verse one, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, it's the Holy Spirit that quickens. It's the Holy Spirit that that gives life to our mortal body. He gives life to the body in the future, in that great day of redemption. And I want you to stick with me. I'm, I'm coming to the very best part here. Two things. The words give life means to make alive, to, to give life, to, to cause to live, to, to renew, to remake life. And this body will be quickened. It will be given life. It will be made alive. We have a hard time wrapping our mind around this because we are finite creatures. The same body that died. The person is the same person. The mortal body is given a totally new life. Its elements are recreated and remade into a perfect and eternal body. It becomes immortal. We talk about Jesus having a glorified body when he was resurrected from the tomb, when he was made dead, came from death to life, when he he came into a glorified body. And this is what we're talking about. (laughs) The same body that died, the person is the same person. The mortal body is given totally new life. So someday when these bodies finally die, Our flesh will be, excuse me, our spirit will be released to live forever. And the flesh, which so incapacitates us from fulfilling all of the law, will be exterminated. This temporary tent is going to die and it's going to be buried in the ground. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. As one commentator put it, He said, the day of our death is far better than the day of our birth. First Corinthians 15. Verse 42 says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in a perishable body. It is raised in imperishable body. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. 
If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Verse 50 says, now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. (laughs) Do you hear what he's saying? This is the best news ever. And you think about this. In verse 11, he says here, he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Just like he raised Jesus Christ out of the grave, he will raise us out of the grave. That's what he's saying here, because the same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us because we've been born again of the spirit of almighty God. Listen, we have already had a spiritual resurrection. When we were born again, it's depicted when we baptize people. They go under the water. They are buried with Christ. They are raised to walk in a new life. It's a spiritual resurrection that we've already had. That's already happened. We've already died. We've already risen with Christ. We have a new nature. We've already been born again. We've already had one death. And now we have new life in Christ. And we are ready. We are already the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We have the life of God in our souls. That's already happened. You don't have to fear this physical death. You really need to long that the physical death comes when this debilitating humanness is gone. Because when that happens, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, who dwells in you, is going to give life to a new mortal body through the spirit who indwells you. And you're going to have another resurrection, only this time it's going to be a spiritual resurrection. in the body. It's going to be a physical resurrection. The graves will open. I mean, it talks about us having a new body and you're going to get a new glorified body, if you will. I want to say an upgraded body. It's Ridge 2.0. It's going to be better. We need to understand this and to understand this is to understand the nature of being a believer in Jesus Christ. The spirit dwells in you. And he is the spirit that raised up Jesus and the spirit gave Christ life through death and he raised Jesus from the dead and he gave him physical resurrection life and that he raised up Christ from the dead who is God the father through the spirit will also give life to our mortal bodies on that day. We're going to get new bodies. You know, you're probably like, man, I wonder what that's going to look like. Gee whiz. You know, a brand new body, man, I I can't even imagine, you know, what's, what's a new body going to look like? What's it going to be like? And the, the Corinthians were asking the same thing of Paul in verse 35 of chapter 15. They asked the same thing. And, and Paul's answer is a little direct. I mean, a little edgy, if you will. He says, you fool, 
That which you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. His analogy is like this. I just want to break this down. I'm almost done. You're never going to be able to tell what your resurrection body is going to look like by looking at what you have got. It's kind of like a seed. Take a little, little tiny seed. You know, it, it, it's this little, ugly, kind of brown, uh, nondescript uh, Seed, you can't know what's going to come out of that seed until you plant it in the ground. But what comes up from that seed, you know, you could put some flower seeds in the ground and they just kind of look like little seeds. They're just brown little things. You put them in the ground and you bury them. And God brings life out of that death. And what happens is you have this garden full of flowers and you have a splash of the rainbow. Glorious. Man, that wasn't what I put in the ground. What I put in the ground were these little brown seeds. I just sprinkled them in there. Man, look at this glorious thing. They're putting on a show. You know, I I see that and it's like Paul's saying, look, you got this little brown seed, this little body, sort of nondescript. There's no way to comprehend what's going to happen when that dies and the glorious resurrection takes place. See, God gives it a body just as he wishes and each of the seeds, a body of its own. And he says, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what's going to come out of that, that plain body that you have now. But I'll tell you this, it's going to be something that is so glorious. It's going to blow our mind. We're not going to have any kind of clue what that's about. That's the way it is with the resurrection of the dead. It goes into the ground, perishable. (laughs) You know what perishable means, right? means it's got a shelf life. It means it's got an expiration date. Each one of us have an expiration date. It goes into the ground, perishable. But it comes up out of the ground, imperishable. Imperishable means it doesn't have an expiration date. It means it could live forever. I think this is a huge truth. We go into the ground perishable. We come up imperishable. We go, we're, we're born and, and, and we, we're, we go into the ground in dishonor. But we come up in glory. We go down in weakness, but we're raised in power. We go down natural, but we come up spiritual. It's going to be different. We've borne the image of this earth. And when he raises us, We're going to bear the image of the heavens. It's not going to be flesh and blood as we know it, because he says that can't inherit the kingdom of God. You know, Paul's answer to that is, I don't know. And it's a long, I don't know. And that's what he's saying. I just know this. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's not going to be like what we've got. He's going to raise us and he's going to give us spiritual bodies. What a tremendous promise this is. You see, the Holy Spirit has brought all of this about. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who changes and transforms our nature. He's the one who who moves us out of living in the flesh and causes us to be born of the Spirit. 
He's the one who, who causes us to, to move out of, of living according to the flesh and the things of the flesh and minding the flesh, which is death, both for now and for all eternity. But he is the one who calls us into being, into the spirit, walking in the spirit, minding the things of the spirit, pleasing God, because now we are alive to God, both right now and, and forever. Folks, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? It grieves my heart. It grieves my heart that there's so little ever said about this. And so many of the things that are said and are credited to the Holy Spirit are are just worthless. I mean, he gets blamed for a lot of things. This is powerful. This is life transforming. See, without Christ, life is grim. It's futile. You know, the bumper sticker that said life is tough and then you die. I mean, even if we make it to live to be 100 years old. So what? So what? What is your life? It's a vapor. It goes by like that. But if you belong to Christ. No matter when you die. You have the certain hope. That the God who raised Jesus out of the tomb from the dead will raise you through his spirit who dwells in you because you belong to him. You know, near the end of his life, D.L. Moody said this. He said, you're going to read in the newspaper that I'm dead? He said, don't believe it for a moment. He said, I will be more alive than I've ever been in my life. So I can't urge you strong enough to make sure that you can answer yes to the question, do you belong to Christ? Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your inspired word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that these are your words that you gave and and, and had them write down so that it would become God's living word. And Father, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to to be born again of the Spirit. Father, we know, we know this is true. And yet we think we're so smart. Our society thinks that we're so smart and we wonder all the questions. Well, how could God do that? But the truth is, Father, that we're just now trying to discover what DNA is about. And you've known it all along. Father, you've you've had this answer, you know, and, and there's There is no concern. It's like your word is telling us, don't worry about that. Just make sure that you belong to Christ. And Father, I thank you for that because I know that that on that day, you're not worried. The one who spoke this world into being, you're not worried about building a new body for us. You can create it. You You can make it last forever. Father, and I just thank you so much for that. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are so, so powerful. I thank you that you are, have the ability to, to cause the new birth, that you have the ability to transform our lives, that you have the ability to do the things that you desire in each one of our lives. So, Father, I pray that we would work with you in that. I pray, Father, that, that we would be found in Christ. Father, that every soul that can hear the sound of my voice would know that they belong to Christ. That they could answer in the affirmative, yes, I belong to Christ.
Father, I pray that you would make it so by your spirit. Father, that you would draw us to you. Father, in the time that even remains today in this service, I pray that you would draw us to you. Father, that we would make sure that we are in Christ. Because we know there is no condemnation. And there's no separation. And there's no defeat in between. Father, we love you. Guide us as we continue to worship you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.